320 pounds. 30, 330. 330. Yeah. Okay, 75% of that is muscle. Yeah, I get it in. <laughs> 10% of that is? Body mass. Body mass? Yeah, that's what I'm calling it nowadays. <laughs> 5% of that is? No comment. Uh, <laughs> and 2% of that is? No. Nah, nah, nah. Let me stop. But ladies, he is single and ready to mingle. So oh, really? if you want to holler at Bouye Villa, please hit me up, email gaps2gmail.com, and tell him you're looking for somebody, too. Um, it's summertime, so we got to get booed up. You know, I don't know. We got to get a little <laughs> a little lust in there this summer. Bouye Villa, is, he, got, he got pretty teeth. He's out of Gap 2 Devo. He has very pretty teeth, very straight, beautiful teeth. He's dark skinned, very African looking, um, <laughs> very, um, you know, black diamonds <laughs> type of dude. He's very, very attractive. He used to be a football player, ladies and gentlemen. So, wow, this is like uh, my promotion. Yeah, I'm trying to put you on. I'm trying to help you out. You say you don't get no ticks, so I'm trying to get you some ticks uh, on, on the radio. Right, right, right. Okay, so ladies, if you're interested in a lovely, a uh, big man like this said, us up and tell us that you want to holler. But anyway, back to the Almost Famous Showcase. So we had went on the um, Almost Famous Showcase yesterday, and it was incredible. Shout out to Miss Proper, Arctic Freeze, Destiny the Chef, and everybody else that performed. It was fantastic. It went down at Have a Nice Day Cafe yesterday. And when I say motivating, I'm telling you, I don't rhyme. I'm not a lyricist. I mean, I play around with it, but that's just like my my uh, way of expressing myself. However, these people are professional lyricists, professional hip-hop artists, and they were so totally, totally motivating yesterday. The entire environment, the aura in the room was all about support, all about just getting your feelings out there, saying what you need to say, and not worrying about what people think. And I was just amazed and so proud to have been a part of it. Check out my review and some pictures of the event on my website, www.gaptoothdiva.com. Make sure you check that out because it was fantastic. I haven't been to a hip-hop show like that in a long, long time, and I cannot wait till they do something like that again. So shout-outs to Ms. Proper, So Proper Entertainment, A-Money Promo, and everybody else involved, Rated R Radio, all of them. They they were so wonderful. They even wanted me to get on stage and say a couple of things about Gap Tooth Diva Entertainment and all that. And I was like, it's not about me because I have a tendency to take that mic and don't give it back. So I was like, I'm not even going to do that. But it was so incredible. Also, shout out to Tropical Diva Summer Madness Fashion Show. I'm going to be on that in that in July 16th, walking down the runway with some very, very beautiful full-figure beauties. And I want you to make sure that you're in the building. It's going down July 16th at the Clarion Hotel. Get your tickets as soon as possible. And if you're interested, you can hit me up also to get those tickets, either at gasdivahotmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook and send me a message. I would love for you to be in the audience, see some wonderful fashion, and represent for the full figure beauties out there. Um, also, I'm going to be hosting the Pevolution Ladies Showcase going down at the Canal Club on July the 10th. I'm going to be the feature host, and I want to make sure it's fantastically fun and fabulous. It's going to be a bunch of women who have talent, who are going to get on the stage, represent, 
for our gender and put it down here in the Cap City, Richmond, Virginia. Shout out to RVA. Shout out to Tamika Pleasant for throwing that event as well. Cannot wait. That's going down to Canal Club, July the 10th. Yeah. So without any further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce our generational curse expert, William Shifflett, and we're going to get more information about exactly what generational curses are and how we can prevent them or cure them. Okay? So let's bring him on the line. Hi, Mr. Shiffley. How are you doing? Hey, I'm okay. How are you today? I'm great. Welcome to Gap Two Diva Radio. Thanks a bunch. No problem. Okay, so our show is all about motivating and inspiring. So first of all, tell us how you got started in your field. Well, uh, I got started in my field. I'm a pastor, so uh, this was uh, just something that happened to me. I became a Christian about 30 years ago and uh, got into the ministry. And over the past uh, decade, perhaps, the issue, the belief that people are under curses became uh, very intriguing to me, and so I began to, to study it out and research it some, and, uh, and, and that's kind of what led me to the place where I talk about uh, generational curses in my book, Friendly Fire. Uh, the, the book itself is not completely about generational curses, but it does make up a, a, a part of the the material in the book. Okay. Well, tell us from a professional perspective, what exactly is a generational curse? Well, the generational curse is the belief that your problems are rooted in what something that one of your relatives did, a grandmother, great-grandmother, etc. And it's mm-hmm. it's a subject that's very confusing to people because there are generational consequences. Okay, we all deal with them. Our society deals with consequences of things that happened in the past. But when you bring it into a, a mystical framework, you find that you really create more problems than you solve. And I always like to say it like this. You know, it really it, it really comes down to defining the way we're using curse. Do we mean curse as a description of an un- unfortunate event or, or a consequence like that? Or are mm-hmm. we using it, are we using it as a definition of some mystical or spiritual cause behind that unfortunate event? And I argue that uh it is it is not that 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 when something tragic happens to you or you have a recurring battle or struggle in your life, it is not uh some mystical curse on your life that uh, you you have to submit to subjective processes to try to, to uh, free yourself from. That really brings people, I would argue, brings people into bondage, complicates the problems that they're facing, rather than helping them to deal with the whatever that situation is in their life and move on. Okay. So, for example, if, um, like I was mentioning earlier, if your parents happen to be um, alcoholics or they were abusive and their parents before them suffered from alcoholism or were abusive as well, you feel as though that it doesn't mean that that's something that's destined for you. You can change that situation. Exactly, exactly. And what you have to remember, uh, I did another show like this, and a lady called in from from New York, and she pointed out you know, that some of that – now, we have to be careful when you're talking about alcoholism. Obviously, they have identified uh, some genes that r- are related to that. So we have to realize that alcoholism can be a physiologic- 
physiological problem and not just a psychological problem, okay? So you have to remember that. But there is also that concept of learned behavior. And you can, if you watch the, the role models you have, and this is why role models are so important to us as we're growing up, you can, you know, you can be influenced by them. But ultimately, it comes down to you making a decision. Listen, I'm not going to follow that path. I'm going to choose a path that is different from that. And when you do that, you can, you can change your quote-unquote destiny by just making that decision. Now, I'm not suggesting it's easy to do, okay, uh-huh. especially if you have that cycle of, of, of behavior that's gone back several generations. But I am saying that when you define it as a mystical curse, what's, what's really happening is either you, you're going to surrender to the attitude, well, this is the way it's always been and this is the way it will always be. There's nothing I can do about this thereby uh-huh. perpetuating the destructive behavior, or you fall prey to someone who's trying to convince you you're under a curse so they can take advantage of you by offering you a solution to that problem. Okay, okay. So you feel as though that a lot of people may use generational curses as a crutch to continue the bad behavior. You can look at it like that, yes. You can look at it like that. Now, now of course, most people would not think that they are doing that, uh, you know, but but that's that's what I would argue. You know, you have to remember some a lot. Most people have most people can find this pattern of recurring events in their family. Uh, okay. in, in our family, it was uh, for a while. It was uh, cancer. My grandfather died of cancer. My grandmother died of cancer. My mom died of cancer. My mom's sister died of cancer, etc. Uh, and, and you can look at that and think uh, that's that's a curse. A lot of people have those kind of a recurring events, and it becomes a family tradition, something that identifies our family and separates us from other families. You know, it's our unique thing, but they really don't believe that, that they're under a curse, you know. It's when you begin to think that this curse is controlling my destiny that you really get into trouble, and and that's what I argue against. Okay, so... Since you argue against it, what do you suggest that people do? Because when it comes to something like cancer, you really don't have any control of that. That's something that basically, um, you know, is determined once you find out from the doctor. So right, either right. you get it well, or you But with I, other things like alcoholism, drugs, abuse, stuff like that, how do you how do you stop that? Well, it, it's it's here's here's part of the the problem with defining those things as a curse. Because then it makes it sound like, and there are people who unfortunately do this, even uh, to my great dismay, within the Christian church, they mm-hmm. offer you some quick fix. And these problems cannot be fixed easily. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people look at poverty as a generational curse. But poverty is a very complex problem. There is no one-word solution or one particular thing that's going to solve that. So the first thing I would say to anyone who's dealing with something like that is, of course, uh, th- there's no debating that your your frame of mind, your attitude about this battle, this thing you're in. And again, if you have if you're diagnosed with cancer, fortunately, here in America, we live in a culture where where there's a lot of medical technology, and I know we're struggling right now with how to pay for that, but mm-hmm. but there is this technology available that makes it possible to, to you know, overcome cancer. However, 
overcoming it requires an attitude that I can beat this thing, and that attitude is hard to maintain if you mm-hmm. believe you're under a curse and there's nothing you can do about this. And I mentioned earlier that my mother had had died of cancer and her father had died of cancer, and my mother kind of gave up. You know, she just kind of said, now this, again, was 25 years ago, and we didn't have all the medical technology we have now, but she kind of gave up. You know, she she just kind of felt like, well, this is the way it's, it is, and this is the way it's always been, and so, you know, she just kind of surrendered to it. So you have to have an attitude that I can overcome this, and that attitude is hindered when you're when you're operating in under the belief that I'm under a curse, and and this is the way it is, and, and there's nothing I can do about that. So that's the first thing I would say is you have to get that understanding that if I'm going to overcome this, uh-huh. whatever whatever it is, whether it's physical, uh, 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 addictive behavior, financial problems, if I'm going to overcome this obstacle, it begins by me refusing this idea that I'm under some kind of a curse. Wow, that's very interesting that you say that because there's so many people that we come across that – um, not in the not in the subject of cancer or or any type of of disease or anything, but when it comes to like you said poverty, or when it comes to uh, drug abuse or something like that, there are people who believe that I I can't overcome this because this is something that my family has always dealt with. But what right. about people that want to change? However, because they're so involved with their family and their family may still be uh, conducting this type of behavior, it's hard for them to make that change because you're surrounded by it all the time. Right, what right. With that? What, what do you do with that? Well, there again, that's that's got to be the individual p- person, and everybody may not be able to apply this, but but you have to you have to look at it almost from a standpoint of saying okay I, I have to at least for the time being and I'm not advocating you you do this long term I'm not saying you know give up on your family or your friends forever but there may be a period of in which you must disconnect yourself from them until you conquer that problem in that situation you know if you're a if you're having a struggle with alcohol the last thing you want to do is go around your friends when they're partying. You don't want to do that because it's, okay. it's just setting yourself up for a stumbling block. So there may be a period in time in which you have to make decisions. And, again, this is this is very complex. This is one of the reasons why I don't like to to this belief that I'm under a curse because it, it makes it sound like all i got to do is go to this person. They're going to give me this fix. I'm going to say a few magic words. Presto, it's over. It's a very challenging, difficult thing to solve some of these problems, and there is no quick fix. So it, the person has to, has to get the willpower, recognize I'm not under a curse, I can do something about this, and begin to take the steps to do that. And in, in regards to family or friends who are really involved in that thing you're struggling with as far as addictions and so forth, you, you may have to distance yourself from them for the time being recognizing, hey, this is a matter of life and death. I've got to I've got to get out from under this thing and to do that I've got to I've got to get into a new circle of friends. And that's accountability groups and things of that nature. Okay, okay. Now you wrote a book that touches on generational curses. Now what other subjects um can we look forward to when reading your book? Well the the book is called Friendly Fire, Embracing the Power of Trial and it's focusing on the problems and difficulties we have in life from the standpoint that they're good for us. One of the things that that I believe, and and not just me, 
but a lot of other people as well, is that in America today we have this attitude that we really shouldn't have any problems at all, and it's weakening our character. We're not as strong a people as we used to be because we used to have a lot more adversity. Now, again, this, isn't, this is a generalized statement. There are lots of people in America who have lots of adversity, so I'm not, I'm not suggesting that. But basically the, the book tackles the issue that there are, are uh, problems and difficulties in life. These things shape our character. They're not the only thing that shape our character, but they're one of the things that shapes our character to make us better people if we will embrace them instead of running from those problems. And in the course of talking about that, I deal with generational curses as an explanation for these kinds of problems that I argue is illegitimate. Wow, wow. You know what, I say things um, about how some of the negative things that we go through, um, you know, having money problems, relationship issues. I always say that, you know, you got to gain something from these experiences. So you're basically saying that every time something bad happens, we really need that to to make us better people. It push you to the next level, I think. Exactly. That 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 those things those things work to shape our character. They refine our values. They show us what's really important. Uh, I start the book with a story about my daughter-in-law and my my youngest son who had gained his pilot's license, and we went out to do some flying. And my daughter-in-law was struck by the propeller, and, uh, and we were very fortunate she was not hurt worse than she was, but she had about 200 stitches in her back. It was a very close call. But after that, uh, one of the people in our church said, you know, these kind of events really put life into perspective. It really makes you think about what's important and who the people in your life are and why they're valuable to you. And that that's the argument that I make in the book. That, that adversity does that. That adversity does that for us. And we shouldn't be afraid of adversity. We shouldn't. You know, this isn't, a, and this isn't a, uh, you know, this is not some a glutton for punishment approach. It's just a realistic approach. The people who make the biggest impact in our culture uh, are the ones who have gone through adversity and overcome that adversity. And so we shouldn't be afraid of it. In fact, I think it was Theodore Roosevelt who said he never knew a man who led a life of ease who was worth remembering. All the great people were people who really faced adversity and overcame that adversity and were shaped by it. Wow. Now, it's funny that you look at adversity as something that we need and it's and it's uh, beneficial to us building character in our lives and making us who who we are. But in the time that you're going through it, you know, when you're when you're missing money, when you lost your job, when someone broke your heart, when that loved one dies, it's hard to think like that because you feel like something is being taken away from you. Yes, so what do you expect to people? Well, that's where you know you you have to get into you get into a lot of of different things there. But it is hard. But again. As it relates to this discussion, you complicate the problem when you suggest that that the person is 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 suffering this because they're under a curse. As an example, just this past week, I heard about a family that was camping, and a tree limb broke out of the tree, fell down, and hit their eight-year-old boy, and killed him. Now, what do you say to that? 
you know, that was tragic. What do you say then? Well, this happened because you were under a curse. And that's the point I'm trying to make. When you're going through that, yes, it is very difficult to cope with things. You have lots of questions. You're unsure. It's hard to get your bearings. But what makes that situation more difficult is, to, is for someone to just heap condemnation on you and suggest that you're under some mystical curse because your grandparents did something they shouldn't have done. It complicates the problem rather than helping you find strength to cope with that difficulty and, and get your bearings and, and, and regain your footing, so, so to speak. Wow. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It's really hard to explain that to someone when they're going through the issue. Yeah. I mean, like, like what you said, I'm I'm serious. Like, it, when you said that the parents lost their child, it, and, and I just can't imagine walking up to them and saying, you know, well, everything happens for a reason. This is going to build character. I can't get the time right. in the place for that. You know, I don't know how to, I don't exactly. know how to say that. Well, no, and, and your, your friend just said that there's a time and a place for that. The, 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 what we have to remember is that when people are hurting, they're not listening with their, with their brain, so to speak. They're listening with their heart. And a lot of people are hurt. I, make a, I, make, I touch on one chapter in my book, talks kind of along this line about the issue of suffering. And I quote a couple of other people who talk about how well-meaning people say the wrong things to people when, when their heart is broken. And there's, there's a limit, you know, you can't, most of us mean well, we want to help, but there are times when the only thing you can do is just be there for them, just be there for them. And so it is very difficult to try to explain that, and that's why you can't do it then. Uh, there, there is a time and a place for everything, and 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 so we we move through we move with them through this time of grief and sorrow and difficulty without uh, you know throwing out these pat answers. Well, if you'd have done this or if you'd have done that, if you'd have done this, and and this will turn out for that reason. You, you're right. You can't say that kind of stuff. It doesn't help them. But you don't want to make the situation worse either by suggesting they're under some kind of curse. For example, uh, when the Haiti earthquake happened. There was, there was the hurricane, and, and then there was the earthquake. And, and a, a Christian leader made that statement, well, Haiti is under a curse. Well, why would you make such a statement like that when so many people are hurting? Do you see my point? So uh-huh. while there are, there are no easy answers to the question of suffering, but you don't want to exacerbate that suffering by offering an illegitimate explanation for what's happening. And that's okay. what I believe a generational that's where I believe generational curses fall into that category of an illegitimate answer for a person's suffering that does not help them to cope with it in any way. Okay. Now it's amazing, um, basically what we're discussing today, uh, about the generational curses and how you say some of the uh unfortunate things that happen in your life are supposed to build character and make you who you are. It parallels a lot of the same beliefs that we here at Got Through Diva Radio try to be about. Um, We tell people all the time that what happened in your past shouldn't determine what's going to happen in your future. And you should use use the pain from the past to fuel whatever it is that you're passionate about today. Um, I want to know um, what made you decide to write a book of this nature, and how are people responding to it? Well, people are responding to it <laughs> uh, in in mixed ways. I mean, the people that I've heard from really enjoy the book, 
it is not, of course, it's not the kind of a book that's going to be very popular because it's dealing with a very difficult subject. But, uh-huh. again, as a pastor, and, and I've, been, I've been pastoring for about 20 years, and, of course, you deal with people, and not just people in my church, but people in my community who have these kinds of hurts and problems. And so the theme comes up periodically in my, my ministry, and it just kind of con- came together when this experience happened to us with my daughter-in-law. It came together to, to shape this book and offering this idea of, of hope in the midst of adversity without any, without any easy answers. You know, there, there are no easy answers. There's a, there's a chapter in the book called In Search Of where I, I discuss why do we ask questions, why are we always looking for answers, and how hard the, the, the search is for answers that satisfy. Uh-huh. So uh, it just kind of grew out of that, and I wanted to bring the concept of adversity uh, to the forefront as a positive thing and, and look at all these different dimensions about it. Wow, wow. I'm still stuck on, because I know what it feels like. I'm just learning. I'm just learning to look at um, adversity as being something that I'm supposed to gain something from. I'm just learning. I mean, recently. So it's really hard for me to imagine someone going through the most awful experiences, like losing a loved one or, you know, something tragic like that. Right, right. to look at it as a positive thing because you're just in that moment of loss. And I want to know, because I'm the, I'm the kind of person who wants to help, and I'm always trying to be there for the, my fans, my followers, and even my friends and family. So what do I, as a person, supposed to suggest to someone going through something like this? Besides, get your book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, that, uh, that, that, again, would depend on the person and where they're at in their own personal life and what they can and can't handle. But uh, the basically you want to you would want to say, you know, I'm here for you. I'm I'm concerned. What can I do? But but my 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 biggest point would be to make sure that they are not uh, heaping upon themselves unjust condemnation or undeserved condemnation. Now, let me just say that the undeserved part, we all make mistakes. And we have to, and we have consequences for those mistakes. Okay, so we shouldn't defray personal responsibility, but we want to we want to convey to them that, as you said a moment ago, kind of the way that I say something, uh, it's kind of one of my little mantras: uh, don't judge tomorrow by the circumstances of today. And yeah. so you say to that person, you know, what whatever's going on, even if they were somehow responsible for what happened in some fashion, when we had that accident. That begins the book with the airplane. We made a, we really did something stupid. So there was a sense in which we were responsible for this pain. But you do not have to stop there. And again, going back to that, that what do you say to people? Sometimes there isn't anything to say. It's being there. It's being there for them. That's that's the important thing because there are no easy answers to some of the most difficult questions of life. Okay. Now, what upcoming, um, are you doing any upcoming book signings or anything that our listeners should know about? Are you going to be appearing or featuring anywhere where you're going to be discussing more about your book? Well, I don't have anything on the calendar at this exact moment. Uh, The book actually came out in January, so I've I've, I've done a lot of those kind of events already. Uh, Most of it right now is just... uh, the, the radio interviews of this nature. We recently did a, 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 an internet radio uh, 
interview from London, England, actually, regarding the book. So it is starting to get some uh, press and some publicity. And as I said, the people that are reading it are, are coming away blessed. But it is not. I don't have any big events like that, especially in uh, uh, in the immediate future. I am going to be doing some more of that as we go forward. But I don't have anything on the calendar right now. Okay. Can you tell everyone how they can get your book? and how they can get in touch with you and maybe get some more advice or consulting about their situation and how they can avoid generational curses? Sure, absolutely. The uh, Our website is www.swordpoints.org. And there's a there's what we call the pastor's page. It has a lot of writings and essays on a lot of subjects that they could check out. Uh, and there is also some more excerpts from the book on the website. The book is available at Amazon.com. Uh, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. It's also available from the publisher, TatePublishing.com, and they have a little bookstore link that you can go to there. Uh, it should be available at any day as an e-book through Amazon and uh, Barnes & Noble. They have a little bit of trouble with the Barnes & Noble uh, setting that up right now, uh, but, but that would be the, the main way. And there is a uh, there is a uh, form on our website where you can ask questions and make comments, and everyone's welcome to do that, www.swordpoints.org. Okay, okay. Well, I want to say thank you so much, William Shiffley, for coming on to Gap Tuesday Radio and giving us um, your your take on generational curses. I really appreciate the fact that what you're saying it's something that I totally agree with, that your circumstances shouldn't determine what you're doing now, right. and you shouldn't look at everything as a curse because sometimes you might fall into it thinking that this is the way things have to be, this is the way things are. So I think everybody should go ahead and go onto your website, which was www.swordpoint.org. Correct. Correct. Okay, Correct. great. Log on to your website and get more information, especially get your book. Thank you so much, William Shipley. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it, too. No problem. Have a good night. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. All right. All right, everybody. So we just talked to generational curse expert William Shiflett, and he gave us a taste of what generational curses are and exactly what you can do to avoid them. Basically, what he's saying is that there's no such thing as really a curse. You can change your circumstances and the circumstances of your loved ones by just deciding that I'm not going to fall into the same habits that my predecessors did. I'm going to change my circumstances and make them more positive. Now, going back to that subject, speaking of making things positive, we're going to have Zenobia Bay, a.k.a. Z-Bay, straight out of Richmond, Virginia, with her program, Community 5050, which she founded. And we're going to talk about how she plans on making her mark on the community by assisting and providing more opportunities for the youth and empowering and mentoring them. So let's get her on the line. Hey, Zenobia, how are you? Welcome to Gazeera Radio. Hey, how you doing? Appreciate it. No, no problem. Introduce yourself to our listeners and let them know who you are and what you're about. 
Well, hello. My name is Zenobia Bay. I am CEO and founder of Community 5050 Incorporated. We are a nonprofit organization, tax exempt, 501c3. So we um, pretty much, pretty much what we do is we promote positive thinking in the community through the arts. And uh, we promote it through the arts, culture, education, and family development. And how we do that is we facilitate workshops throughout the Richmond city area and um, pretty much teach kids kind of like what the guest was just talking about is about your positive thinking and your attitude and how you approach different things. And um, you have a five elements of hip-hop choice is yours workshop that we teach it through. And pretty much with that workshop, we teach the five elements of hip-hop, which are DJing, b-boying, um, graffiti, knowledge, and MCing to use and teach them that those are the elements. And once they understand the elements of hip-hop, then they can understand what they're listening to on the radio. And now they, they can make a choice to distinguish if they're going to follow the trend that they hear on the radio or if they're going to make their own choice and fall into the elements of hip-hop and embrace it and express themselves in their own individual way. So it pretty much it breaks a cycle within itself because you're not doing everything that everybody else is doing on the radio, on the television, your community, you're being your own individual self. So that's how we um, pretty much promote positive things. Wow. Now, what inspired you to start Community 5015? Oh, a a number of things. Uh, Pretty much I've worked in uh, corrections, um, intensive in-home counseling, residential, a lot of different capacities with at-risk youth and youth were uh, being treated for different services. And um, I saw there was a need to prevent a lot of um, the things that the youth were encountering, encountering on a daily basis that would have them in those consequences, have them facing those type of consequences. So I felt that a community organization would be something that we could um, provide for the kids so they would not end up in jail or probably decrease the amount of uh, children that's in juvenile, foster care, uh, adoption, or whatever that's away from their family. So Pretty much community service and seeing a prevention before all that happened is what inspired me. And um, I have a wonderful team of individuals, Rashana Smith, Morgan Turner, and uh, DJ Var. Also, they are pretty much our team that that goes out to these different workshops and facilities that um, teach the five elements of hip hop and our Community 5050's uh, mission promoting positive thinking. So it it was a lot of inspiration, but pretty much the main thing was just the need to see that our youth were just in a a different place and mind frame of thinking. And with a lot of different things that's going on in the world, in their community, in their homes, in the school, I just felt like we could provide a positive outlet for the youth and build from that and then just pretty much just provide a ripple effect for all different types of services, whether it's job skills for parents, employment, all different types of services for the community to make it better. Wow. Now, starting an organization like Community 5050, I'm sure that there was a lot of work. And shout-out to your team for backing you up and helping you with this endeavor. Oh, now, did you come across any obstacles that made it even more difficult that you wish you would have never had to go through or maybe that you learned from thus far? Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of obstacles. Um I wouldn't say I, I wish I never had to go through them because, like you said, I, I definitely learned from them. And if they come again or something similar, I know pretty much how to handle it or overcome it. Mm-hmm. But um, 
uh, a lot of obstacles, but um, to sit here and, and, and name them all, I'll be on this radio show all day. But um, pretty much just, you know, encountering negative people, you know. Um, but I, I, de- I definitely encounter a lot of positive people. You know, people saying that's good, that's something different, that's something that we need. But, you know, you, you hear a lot of people say, oh, doing a nonprofit, that takes a long time. And, you know, it's a lot of paperwork. And, you know, it's this and it's that. And you don't get paid from it. And, you know, a lot of people... They were negative like that? Say it again? They were negative like that? Not as much as the positive, but, you know, you ask, you know, with the negative things, and that's some of the negative things I heard, you know. But a lot of times, you know how people, they they don't present it just straight out negative. They try to give it to you in a little conversation. But, you know, know, if if you're talking about something positive and 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 then their feedback is, oh, doesn't that take a long time? Or, you know, how do you get paid for that? You don't get paid from that. It's like, okay. It's not all about the monetary. And if you know your business, you do get paid from nonprofit, but that's not what it's about. It's about giving back. And, you know, anybody can pretty much put their heads together and, and make a business to make money. How are you going to make money to give back? And that's what our community needs. We need somebody to, to give back and have these summer camps and have free services and have workshops because a lot of times the economics, it shows our community don't have it to put these kids in different camps, you know, to promote positive thinking. So, uh-huh. My, my my thinking and giving back and providing a service was totally different, I think, from a lot of people. And um, I wanted to do a nonprofit way first. Wow. Like I said, because if you give back, you know, you also you always want to give something tenfold. So um, that's how I look at it. But, yeah, definitely a lot of negativity. But I can definitely say more positive than negative that I've um, encountered. And that's a good thing. So with all that said, what are some of the things that you learned thus far that has helped you and conducting your business for Community 5050? Um, well, a lot. Um, definitely teamwork, you know, um, communication, uh, planning, uh, understanding the goal, setting a goal, understanding it, and, mm-hmm. and daily thinking about that goal and understanding the, the strategies you have to go through to maintain it, to obtain that goal. And, um, and faith, that's the main thing I've learned, you know, but sometimes things don't they don't seem like they're going the way you plan in that goal or for that goal or strategy. You have mm-hmm. to have faith. You know, you have to rely on your team and understanding your role and your position and doing something like an organization, everybody has a role and everybody has a position. It's like on a you know, on a on a highway. Everybody has a lane. If you don't drive in your lane you're gonna crash. And it's kind of the same thing, you know, if if you don't stay in your lane within that organization, things are gonna crash. You know, I have Specialties and skills that I'm good at. Miss um, Turner has specialties and skills she's good at. Rashana has specialties and skills she's good at. And DJ Bar has things. You're never going to see me behind no turntables, you know, trying to facilitate a workshop because I'm not a DJ. Wow. You know, you're not going to see Rashana trying to MC or do a lot of different things that she that's not in her strong area because that's not what she does. And we mm-hmm. all understand that. So that's what makes it it makes it better. So you play your position and everybody will be okay. Right, and everybody wins, and everybody pretty much, you know, enjoyed the fruits of the labor from their goal because everybody played their part, you know, and it's equal. Now, what are some of, what's some of the feedback that you're getting from the parents of these children, and what are they saying? And how did you end up getting the children involved, and how did you pitch it to the parents? Well, pretty much um, the parents are – are, are involved a lot. Um, when we have our workshops at Broad Rock Library, 
Um, we had workshops at the Boys and Girls Club, and parents have came up to me and said, this is something good. You know, a lot of times I don't listen to the music that my children listen to, but to come to this workshop is something I needed because they understood a lot of the things that were said in the lyrics because we have a portion that was called Lyrical Breakdown. Uh-huh. And when we will break down the lyrics of a song, for example, um, Gucci Man Wasted, we broke down the lyrics of the song to get the kids to understand what he was actually saying. And wow. once they understood what he was actually saying, then they just pretty much could make the decision and say, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. But subconsciously, and with the parents and with adults, we're trying to teach these kids that if you're saying it repeatedly every day, nine times out of ten, it's going to become a part of you, and that's going to be your action and then your behavior. That's so pretty much the parents, they, they really appreciate how we, you know, we, we reconstruct their cognitive thinking and understanding what hip-hop means through the five elements. We also have feedback through um, surveys that we give the kids, and the parents fill them out as well. And one of the biggest things that the kids say is, you know, we enjoyed the rap, we enjoyed the dancing, but we didn't we didn't know that there were elements to hip-hop. And they may make a brief statement and say, we know what hip-hop means now. So that's a big thing, the feedback from the parents and the kids to really understand the message that we're giving them in the in the, in the workshops. Wow, this sounds, I mean, it just sounds phenomenally beneficial for the community that you even break down the songs that the kids are singing because yeah, you wouldn't believe how many four or five-year-olds are singing songs like that. Right. Or blasting them in the car on the way to daycare. Don't know what they sing. And don't know what right. they're singing. Wow. So so give us some of the testimonies. Like what kids, what do the kids say or how have you changed them? Um, Have you had any bad children that have been like, you know, 360 all of a sudden? Now they're just totally different kids. Well, we haven't been able to follow them um, to that nature because, like I said, we facilitate them at different um, community centers or or libraries. But Uh the kids, they come up and tell us, you know, like I said about the survey, we didn't know it was, Hip hop was making us do these things. I mean, if I had, I've had a kid say that. I didn't know hip hop was making me have my pants hang down low. And I said it wasn't hip hop. It was just the music you allowed yourself to listen to, and the videos you allowed to influence you to do those things. Uh-huh. And like we tell them, you know, we're not that far in the age different from them. So a lot of the music that they listen to, we listen to as well. But we don't, we don't have Gucci Man or Lil Wayne blasting out in our car. We riding down the street, hanging our head out the window, acting a fool. And, and a lot of times, as a 16, 17-year-old, that's what's going on nowadays. And then when they have to suffer a consequence because of their behavior, they don't understand why. And a lot of times, because they made the choice to have their cognitive thinking off of the things they see every day. So that's why we, you know, we promote positive thinking because it's like, okay, if you want to enjoy rap, okay, enjoy some other type of cult, uh, of music. And that's what we try to teach, too. It's not all just about hip-hop. Understand music is just one small genre of music. You're probably just one, one small piece. So step outside that box, and when you do that, you will have positive thinking because now your thinking is broad. Your thinking is not just narrow in what you see every day and what is in your environment. Mm. Now, based off what you just said, I mean, I'm just thinking about you change, you, you're changing the children's mind about the type of music that they're listening to and how they listen to it. And oftentimes, as a, as a parent myself, sometimes my child can influence me. So mm-hmm. if my child was to leave your workshop saying, you know, 
Miss Zibe taught me that this song is about this, and we don't need to listen to it like that, and we need to find other alternatives um, in music that we can listen to that's more positive. As a parent, I'm going to feel convicted to change my playlist, yeah. you know, around my child. Uh, especially. So have you, affected, have you affected parents like that, too? Has any parents came to you and said, um, you know, based off of your workshop, I no longer play this type of music around my kids? Well, no, I haven't had that. But if I did, um, you know, I would say, well, that's your choice. And and I'm not trying to, you know, tell the parent or tell the child don't listen to it. Because at the end of the day, like I said, the name of the workshop is The Choice is Yours. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the choice is ultimately yours. But just understand with every choice, and every choice, not just with the music, but every choice you have a consequence from that choice. And we just use, you know, the music as one of the tools. But if they choose to not let that child listen to it, okay, that's their choice. I know me um, personally, I have nieces and nephews, and do I let them listen to music on the radio? Yes, I do. But at the same time, I teach them and I expose them to oldies and 70s music and classical music and all different other types of music. So they have a choice. So they're not just bowed down with everything they hear in their environment. Now, some people may argue and say that's not a good decision, but that's what I choose. You know, that's what I choose because at the same time, if I feel if you take a child completely away from something, from something when they're not around you, they're going to go around and try to figure out why I can't listen to it. Because I know that's how I got into hip-hop, not because my mom didn't let me listen to it, because she listened to oldies. And okay. she didn't listen to hip-hop. So when I listened to it, that's when I got a lot of the things I got from it, but I didn't have that person to guide me and say, okay, this is what they do. You see what I'm saying? You don't have to do this. But growing up, you know, I was a strong-minded individual, and I really didn't follow a lot of the crowd. But, yeah, it, it influenced me. But it influenced me in the way that it's influenced a lot of these kids now. Okay. Now, tell us, how would one, uh, a parent be able to get their child involved in your workshop and get involved with Community 5050 altogether? All right. Well, we have a website. It's www.community. 5050, that's 5050.org. Like I said, we facilitate workshops, so right now we don't have a stationary location. But Mm -hmm. our contact information is on the website. Um, Myself, along with all the other members of Community 5050, and we also have an email on uh, our website that's connected. And we have information on uh, about our workshops and some pictures of uh, some of the workshops we've done as well. But uh, like I said, you know, I tell people, I'm a hip-hop all day, you know, uh-huh. so I, I'm not, I, I tell people all the time in the workshops, because I had one young lady at one of our workshops, you know, tell her, tell me, I feel like you're trying to tell me not to listen to hip-hop music. I said, no, that's not what I'm saying, because I, I record hip-hop music mm-hmm. outside of community, but at the same time, you know, it's what you hear on the radio all the time, all the time is not always hip-hop and what those elements represent. So that's what we try to tell them. Wow, that's amazing. I'm just, I'm like excited. How do, how, if I wanted to get involved, if I wanted to do some volunteer work with Community 5050 or one of our listeners would like to do that, um, is there opportunities for that as well or are you guys pretty much set on, on people helping? No, yes, ma'am. There's always opportunities available. Like I said, um, right now we're in the process of just, like I said, pretty much doing a lot of behind the scenes things so we can provide bigger and better services to the community. So, if they go on their website, www.community5050.org, my contact information is along with our community 
5050 Gmail email addresses on there, and they can contact us through that. My phone is always on. I get phone calls from parents a lot and or people asking about different workshops, so my number is, is on there as well. Um, and you can give me a call and, you know, got to leave. You can give me a call as well, too, if you want to have information on volunteer services. But, yeah, we always want other people from the community to come in and help because that's what our name, Community 5050, represents. Us as an organization get 50% and the community get 50% and 100% we're going to win. And so that's where 5050 comes from. Well, definitely. Boonyville, go ahead and make sure that you put that on your list of things to do. We'll do. Contact her because I, I want to get involved. Um, I think what you got going on is just phenomenal. And I appreciate the fact, No problem. I just feel like, um, you know, if you – every what you had on the um, on your website, I had to put that on um, the picture. And it was like um, – God, I can't even remember off the top of my head. It was like somebody need to do something, and I just realized I'm that somebody. And, and you know that's funny that that picture actually came from the um, the marquee outside of my alma mater, Huguenot High School, and I was riding by Huguenot one day, mm-hmm. and that was up there. So I, you know, I actually just stopped and took a picture, and it was so relevant to what I was doing. And like I said, by being alma mater, it just fit. So I had to put it on my website. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, we definitely we all we alma maters are Huguenot as well. So yeah. okay, okay, class <laughs> of what? Classes. 2003. Don't yeah, tell about it. Not- <laughs> <laughs> Y'all's daycare. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Why do you put us on flash yeah, like that? I know. Flash. I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, if you had any advice for someone who wanted to start an organization just like Community 5050 or someone who wanted to get involved in another organization, just something to contribute their part to the community, mm-hmm. What would you suggest to them? Uh, for first, I suggest and say look within your heart and make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, you know, because there's definitely a need out here. But you know, it's always local websites for people to get involved in other organizations. But as far as with um, with Community Fifty Fifty, like I said, you can go on the website. But um, I would just pretty much say um, build a team, have a mission, have a goal. Know what your demographics are, what, what's the target and what you want to do, and, and handle your business and get your paperwork straight. That's the main thing because and you can do it from the heart and you can have all the resources and all the funding all, all you want, but if your paperwork not straight, then you're not going to have too much longevity. And um, and just pretty much have a positive outlook on everything, you know, and um, just go for it. Like I said, build that team, build that army of people around you that, that can support and make that organization sustain. You'll be mm-hmm. fine. Mm. And I'm, I'm sure perseverance was also uh, a thing for you, too, because if you would have listened to that one person who said, you know, it's too much paperwork, you don't get paid, it's too much involved, then this would have never even happened. So I'm glad that you, you listened to your heart and did what you what you had to do and make it happen. Right. I All right. Well, I want to say thank you so much, Zenobia, for coming on the show. I definitely am going to hit you up. Um, he's probably hitting you up right now behind the scenes um, to do something because I, I really feel like I I want to be a part of that. I want to do whatever I can. If you need me to hand out flyers, I'll hand out flyers. I'll sit on the workshop. I'll tape it. I'll do whatever because I think what you're doing is great. And I really feel like if we keep complaining about something, then we obviously need to step up to the plate and do it. I mean, somebody got to do it. So why can't it be us? Exactly. So, like, 
check every check Zenobia Bay out. Um, Community Fifty Fifty. That's www.community5050.org. Go ahead and email her through that email address on the website. Contact her and, and hook up with her. Also, are you performing anywhere? Because everybody, she does some ill poetry. <laughs> um, right now, I don't have anything. I just I just did the uh, confirmation whiteout at um, Harlem Cafe. But pretty much as of right now, I, I, this Tropical Soul and different open mics around Richmond, um, on Wednesday they have the um, Soul Live at Harlem Cafe. So I don't have anything featured right now. Oh, Happy Natural Happy Natural Day I will be performing on oh, August 28th. That's great. Yeah, August, yeah, August 28th, uh, Happy Natural Day. So yeah, I will be for, performing there. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Thank <laughs> no you for the compliment. No problem. We can't wait. We can't wait to check you out. We'll be at Happily Natural Day as well. So in the meantime, between time, keep doing what you're doing. You're making an incredible impact on the community and and all the children and the parents, I'm assuming, because I don't see how someone can affect your child and you're not affected as well. So shout out to Zenobia Bay Community 5050. Also, shout out to Rashana Addison Stiff. We had her on the show twice. Um, Definitely. So shout out to everybody on your team as well. Thank you so much. Please keep in touch and let us know what updates you have so I can put it on the website. If you got a field trip or pictures or whatever, I will shout that out. I do not care. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, we're going to definitely be in touch, all right? All right. Have a good one. All right. You do the same. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, everybody. So that was Zenobia Bay, creator of Community 5050, uh, youth mentoring organization here in Richmond, Virginia. Um, I just wanted to say real quick that if you go on her website, there's a phenomenal creed that I'm assuming they make the children say or memorize it when they're being involved with Community 5050. And I wanted to read that to y'all really quick. The creed goes as follows. I will never think less of myself. I will always think about my actions and consequences. I will always realize I have a choice. I will treat others how I want to be treated. I will tell three people a day something positive. I will take responsibility for my actions and strive to learn from the consequences. That's some real stuff right there. If you do that every single day, whether you a man, woman, child, baby, I promise you, your life will be less dramatic, less hectic, and you won't have to worry about any generational curses like we were talking about earlier. And um, just to touch on the the whole thing of the, this whole show for the day, people were saying a lot about choice. You know, you always have a choice of whether you want to do something or not. No, don't nobody make you do anything. Uh-uh. So you got to make that decision on your own. Be fine. You got to make that decision to do right. You got to make the decision that you don't want to be in the hood for the rest of your life. You don't want to be ghetto. You don't want to be ignorant to the things that's going on around you. Mm-hmm. So you got to make that decision to want to just do better for mm-hmm. yourself, not for nobody else, mm-hmm. but for you, for your kids. Mm-hmm. Now, I was watching a movie earlier today, and the person in the movie kept experiencing all these moments of sadness and despair, and they were hurting. And they were suggested, maybe you're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing. That's why you're experiencing this sadness. Sometimes when you're going through something in life, you want to know, why am I always upset? Why am I always angry? Why is everything going wrong? That's because if the shoe don't fit, take it off. 
If you live in a life that you're not supposed to be living, you're in an environment that you're not supposed to be in, and you're doing the same repetitive things over and over again, expecting change, not only are you crazy and insane, but you are bringing that stuff on yourself. So if you are in a in a lifestyle where everybody around you is doing drugs, everybody around you is hanging out in the street and up to no good, everybody around you is not doing well in school or at work, people not paying their bills, people talking reckless and always fighting, and you're constantly in this environment interacting with these people, how are you ever going to come out that situation? And William Shifley talked about earlier that we can't say, well, this is how my mom did it and my father did it, so this is the way it's supposed to be. This is how my grandparents did it, and that's why my mom did it, and now I got to do it, and that's how things are. That's not true. You have to make the decision, like Bouyanville is saying, you have to make the choice that you're going to change your circumstances and you're going to break that quote-unquote curse. Because there's no such thing. It's an opportunity now for us to make a change and a difference in our environment and in our place. It starts with every one person. If you want change, you got to make change happen. A lot of times, when, especially around uh, election time, people want to complain about something. But nobody ever wants to do anything to fix it. And you can't keep saying something dirty and the opportunity for you to clean it is right there. You're not doing that. So I really want to give a strong, strong shout-out and many blessings to Zenobia Bay and her team at Community 5050 because they saw that there was a lack in the community, and they went and they fixed it. They, they did something. They, they did something about it, okay? If you see that there's a bunch of kids on the street hanging out on the corner, won't you make it a part of your business to give them some resources so that they won't be doing that. Well, if you see that there is litter in your community or it's trash in your building or whatever the case may be. Let's go up a group and go clean it. Let's do it. I mean, <laughs> fix it. you got to fix it. So you can't complain about what's going on in your life if you're not willing to fix it. If we continue to do the same things over and over again, we are crazy. That's the definition of insane. So let's make a difference now. Start working towards our passion, motivating each other to make change in our lives and inspire each other that just because you went through this, you no longer have to go through it anymore as long as you decide that you are fed up and you are tired of the negative and you're ready to walk into the positive. And I'm not trying to say that everything has to be church, 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 although I am very heavy, 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 heavy with my God personally. But what I'm saying is sometimes you have to find an outlet, whether it's an organization like Community 5050, whether it's a church, whether it's a mentoring group, whether it's mediation, whatever it is. Sometimes you have to find an outlet to determine what it is that I can do to contribute to the community and make a difference. Because I promise you, when you start working towards making a difference, everything around you will start getting better. And things will be less cloudy and less detrimental to your future. And everything that you do will start working to benefit you and yours. I promise you. That is the baddest creative motivation for today. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. Y'all listen to me. Boy, we're on fire today. I can't even help it. All right. So check us out. Next Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern. Who are we going to have on the air on Tuesday, Bounier Villa? Next Tuesday. Let me see. Let me see. You are just like, you should have been on point with that already. I'm trying to, you know what? I'm a very busy person. You are a very, very bad co host. Is that what you're trying to say? All right, look, we got a relationship expert, guru, 
Tony Gaston. Tony Gaston's going to be on the air next Tuesday for relationship advice. Yeah. Oh, we boy. Take, yeah, we're going to take that whole show. Oh, boy. Going down. Oh, yeah. So tune in. Raw and uncut. <laughs> you better be ready. You better be ready. 100% OMJ and WTF. Okay, tune in. www.blogtalkradio.com slash gap 2 Diva Radio on Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern. For gap 2 Diva Radio, that is creative motivation. I interview with Tony Gaskin, relationship expert and guru. And we're going to be back Thursday also at 9 p.m. And you'll hear that feature guest on Tuesday's show. Make sure you check out www.gaptoothdiva.com. I'm telling you, there's some ill stuff going down on the website now. I'm giving y'all exactly what you want. More fashion, more music, more inspiration, motivation, business, advice, and everything in between. And I'm giving you street style. You know how we do. This is the baddest creative motivation. Follow me on Twitter, www.twitter.com slash gaptoothdiva at gaptoothdiva that's G-A-P-T-O-O-T-H-D-I-V-A follow me on Facebook as well facebook.com slash gaptoothdiva and make sure that you go to the website and log on to www.gaptoothdiva.com now dream as if you live forever and live as if you die today this is the baddest creative motivation you have been served Thank y'all. Have a great weekend. Be safe. And I cannot wait for July 4th. Promise you. All right. Peace out. I'm a, 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 I'm a,